data build tool uh, is best explained actually if you swap the words around. It's a tool to build data with. So we take data as input, we transform that data, and then we output that data somewhere. But once you have a proper data pipeline that you know you're going to run for a long time, dbt basically becomes the de facto standard. And then you see dbt and you see as a software engineer, hey, this brings software engineering to the world of data. Because it's about how are you going to engineer your analytics setup, uh, of which data is obviously a huge part. Hey everyone. Welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Welcome back. Welcome to the first episode of 2023. We have a great podcast year ahead of us. I think. The topic of today appeared for us in one of our monthly knowledge sharing sessions. Peter, tell me more about it. Yeah, the, the monthly knowledge sharing sessions, they're called uh, the Spaces Fest. And um, yeah, one of the topics in the last session was uh, the topic DBT, the data build tool. And to be honest, I had to Google it uh, later on. Um, and if you Google it, uh, you find a website and it, it says DBT is a development framework that combines modelers, SQL, with software engineering best practices to make data transformation reliable, fast, and fun. And especially the last one, that is what I recognize when I uh, look back to the, the, the recording. The, um, the guest of the show the, it was really presenting it in a great way and using terms like, had a macro functionality makes DBT awesome. And ephemeral, I don't even know what it is, is the unique selling point. So, Peter Paul, it's time to introduce the guest and yeah, find out everything about DBT. Yeah, because we are we're always uh, passionate about enthusiasm, and it really sparked of the of the show there. So, uh, yeah, compliments for that, uh, Sander Baumeister, Sander, who is the guest of the day. Sander's a software engineer in our uh, experimentation team. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good to have you. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah. So then, I, I, so to prevent our listeners from. Uh, Googling it, <laughs> what in your <laughs> words is uh, is a data build tool? Yeah, so uh, and for sure, DBT, data build tool, uh, is best explained actually if you swap the words around. It's a tool to build data with. Um, and in bold.com, I guess how I explain it to other people is, so we take data as input, we transform that data, and then we output that data somewhere. Um, and that is what DBT enables us to do. Of course, one might think now, hey, we can also use regular SQL for this. Um, but dbt brings extra stuff on the table, which takes data transformation, as I would like to call it, to a whole different level. Yeah, and data transformation, from, from my background, I, I've done that with data migrations, uh, preparing uh, data for data warehouses, preparing data for uh, experimentation, data sets, stuff like that. Is that also the 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 focus of the tool? Is that that is that the context or the the thing where it's used for? Yeah. So you can use it, of course, uh, for a lot of lot of things. Um, but we, or how I like to call it, use it for data pipelines. So we have a set of SQL files um, that again take data as input and output it somewhere. That output in the case of poll.com often is BigQuery, also the input, 
Um, but you can also use it on other data platforms such as your Postgres database or LRDB. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. And for me, it, um, uh, in the data build, so the build part of it and the pipeline, that also should come together here, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, at DBT is a framework. Uh, so it brings stuff to the table to help you well build the data. Uh, what makes DBT uh, awesome is uh, it not only helps you write the pipeline, but it also enables the, the more software engineering practices behind it. So it makes it easier for you to test your data pipeline. Um, and by testing, I mean writing data assertions. And by that, I mean that you uh, validate after your pipeline has run okay, uh, uh, is the data uh, not containing any null values? Uh, is the data basically conform to what I expect? Um, but it also enables to uh, uh, to add unit tests. Um, and with unit tests, I mean that you validate when you build the data pipeline, okay, in this data pipeline is logic. Is this logic actually doing what I'm e expecting it to do? So if I apply this filter, does it also filter out this, this row if I give it as input? But it also enables us, dbt, to uh, document our data pipeline. Uh, and the awesome thing about that is that consumers of your data product can go to this dbt documentation and, and see, okay, this is how the pipeline is built up. This is how they took the input data and they did these transformations and this is the output data. Um, and also read, okay, this is these are the output columns, uh, these are the, the descriptions of these uh, columns, and that, that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, so basically that, that solves then the problem that if people start looking at, uh, uh, at your table or the thing that the data stored is, and they want an explanation, okay, how did you get to the value here? That they should see how you derived it from other values in that documentation. That, that yeah, so to maybe give a clear example, uh, I come from team experimentation and we enable the rest of the organization to start experimenting. And what we do in our data pipeline is that we take the interaction data of our website, uh, of all.com, we transform that data, add data to it, uh, a lot of data sets actually, and then we output a data set that for instance says, hey, this experiment, this variant had this much conversion and the other variant had this much conversion. So when a data analyst looks at those numbers, they see, oh, hey, this variant has this amount of conversion, but can I trust that number? Like they really want to understand the number. And then we, for instance, link them to the DBT documentation. And we say, hey, this number comes from this great data pipeline. Uh, and there they can have all uh, different types of views uh, that the DBT documentation provides for them. Um, and so get a better understanding of how that data came to be. Um, so to emphasize it a bit more, DBT is not only a, like a tool to build a data pipeline, but it's also a tool to engineer a pipeline. So to add proper testing, to add proper documentation, um, and it provides a great community uh, online where a lot of people share knowledge and uh, provide packages to uh, enhance the ecosystem of DBT. Okay, and, and uh, I, because I think that gives a great overview, um, but at, at the point you encountered uh, DBT, what, what problem were you solving and how did it help you there? Yeah, so 
before we had DBT in our team, um, we had a data pipeline already set up in Airflow. And well, for those of you who don't know, Airflow helped us to schedule the data pipeline. So basically triggering it every day to uh, make it start running. And the problem with that, uh, that pipeline at that state was that it was fairly complex, but it wasn't well tested and it wasn't well documented. And it was basically becoming kind of a mess. And someone then of insightball.com introduced us to dbt and we saw the tool and we were like yes this is exactly what we need it is basically a tool to up our uh, quality of our data pipeline and if you say uh, up the quality then i hear uh, more structure because for uh, let's say how you use the airflow it became a little bit too complex for what it's do uh, been doing uh, better testable and better documentation that that's kind of the same as the advantages of dbt or am i missing a point there uh no i think you're you're fairly right uh we as team experimentation were already having quite a well what i like to call a component-based approach to our data pipeline so we had all these small sql files that together formed the whole pipeline um some of the listeners might be uh, familiar with the term directed acyclic graph so it's a link of nodes that are directed, but they're acyclic, so they're not one cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, so the pipeline moves from left to right, and all these nodes are linked Together. with each other. Yeah. And we already had kind of a structure like that, but dbt really made that explicit for us to get a more, I guess, SQL component approach to our data pipeline. Uh, yeah, and, and what I'm hearing then is that, that in the previous implementation, you... You, you tried to get that structure, but you didn't get the overview or, or, or a real good sense of how the flow data or the pipeline flowed. Uh, and you, with DBT, you have better insights into that. Is that like a correct understanding? Yes. Um, and besides the fact that in DBT, uh, you used the word ephemeral before. So in DBT, we have different types of materializations. Mm -hmm. And a type of that is, for instance, that I... Well, and each query can have a materialization. One materialization is, for instance, table, where if I perform the query in dbt, it will write it to a table, quite straightforward. But a different uh, type is ephemeral, which makes the query a common table expression. And I know that might be fairly complex, but the awesome thing about it is that it makes queries reusable. It basically injects them uh, into dbt, injects the query, into uh, wherever you use that query, wherever you reference it, it will inject that query for you and in that way make the query reusable. Now I know that I'm actually going quite in depth out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's a good idea to, to uh, make that uh, but a little more accessible to me. Let's go over the uh, ways that uh, dbt can materialize uh, things mm -hmm. and what are the use cases of, of those that would at least help me understand uh, what it's about yeah yeah so there's four types of materializations or actually five um, because one has been added in a recent dbt release uh, so the first one is table so you have a query and it will the result of it will be written into a table after it's after it has done the um, transformation and, and, and the next time that you run it, will, will it be added or will the table be destroyed? or what The whole table will be uh, made again. So yeah, it will be a comp So you typically would use this for if you need a complete refresh of data like every time. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
because what others might be looking for is, for, for instance, the incremental uh, materialization, um, which adds to an existing table, uh, to keep it simple. A third one is view, which creates a view on top of an existing table, which I think we're all familiar with. Yeah. Uh, and the fourth one is ephemeral, which well makes the query a common table expression. Um, and a common table ex expression can also be known as a with statement. Mm -hmm. And a with statement, basically you declare it on top of your SQL file, and then it can be used later on in the SQL file uh, as a as, as a reference, um, and in that sense, you basically prepare the query before you're using it. But the awesome thing about this being a separate materialization is that it is also a separate dbt model, and each model in dbt can be referenced by other models, which means if you have a uh, you have a table materialization at one place, you can reference three ephemeral materializations. They all get injected into it. But if you then also have a different table expression or table materialization, you can again link That's these same. ephemeral ones and in that sense have a more reusable uh, setup, which is awesome uh, because that allows for software engineering best practices such as not having duplicated code. Exactly. And then, and, but, but then there are also uh, use cases where it's, uh, you rather have these like in a, uh, not store the data in a table, but have the component there as a as a ephemeral table instead of storing the data somewhere on the system. Or how does that work? I think I don't get your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, it's, it seems like with the uh, with the materialization of the ephemeral, is it really stored somewhere the data? No. Then no, no. And so that's and so that's the difference with the table. Yeah. So there must be a, an advantage to not storing it. Exactly, because so it's not about the data, right? With uh, with this, uh, with kind of variable you use, it is the, the the statement in itself that can be used in different ways. Exactly, and the output. Exactly, that's something, so eh? you can write to a table or to an increment to a table. Yeah, exactly. So the ephemeral materialization will never be used on its own. It will always be referenced by a different materialization, such as table, incremental, or view, oh. uh, so that they can use the ephemeral query to, well, write it to the database. Exactly, yeah. And to round it off, we also have the Python materialization, which is the one that was recently added, um, which I believe is also a very strong feature, which I haven't seen in other tools such as Dataform, um, because the Python materialization allows us to write Python models. And the awesome thing about that is that you can link it still with your SQL pipeline, Yet you can use the power of Python, such as adding packages that are only existing in Python and not in the dbt ecosystem, stuff like that. And and basically then use the power of Python within dbt uh, exactly. pipelines. That's yeah. Basically, then yeah. what you were doing. Yeah. Like for example, some databases uh, uh, you can. Kind of made escape to uh, C routines on the on the file system. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like something like that. Is it comparable or? Uh, yes, I guess. Except that what you described sounded like more of a hack than an actual feature. Uh, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but these Python materializations are actually a first-class citizen in DBT, which is absolutely awesome. And that's when, the, uh, that's the moment that data scientists 
are also uh, looking at this, right? Because the, they do a lot in... Yeah, in, so in team experimentation, we're currently not using these Python materializations yet. But when I first saw the feature, what it triggered me about it the most was in team experimentation, we currently uh, well, do statistical computations and we do those after the data pipeline. Um, but those could actually be baked in into the data pipeline because all, the, all that statistical stuff is in Python for us right now. Yeah. Uh, and it is actually well, a great thing that DBT supports this Python world as well now so that we could port some of that code or all of the code into the DBT pipeline. Then you would in your pipeline, you would do these statistical computations and you could store them as a result in one of these materializations and then continue to work with those. Exactly. It would store us the pain of having to trigger the, the jobs to do those statistical computations later, later on in our uh, pipeline process. Because yeah. what we do right now, maybe it's too much detail, I'm sorry no, for no, this, no. but <laughs> <laughs> what we do right now is we have a, a an Airflow instance that triggers the DBT pipeline. And after that is done, Airflow triggers our uh, statistical backend to say like, hey, go computate uh, statistical results for these experiments. But it would actually be awesome for us if that is all just baked into DBT. In one go. Exactly, in one go, yeah. uh, one technology to worry about less uh, or one deployment to worry about less. Yeah, because then the pipeline would be like a complete pipeline instead of running several yep. pipelines sequentially. And then you could also have the controls of that pipeline within your pipeline instead of needing an additional tool on top of it to do the control over the sequential pipelines. Yeah, exactly. So it's already quite some information we uh, <laughs> <laughs> we started to uh, uh, to share. I think. Yeah, we uh, started light, but we went uh, quite deep. Quite uh, deep directly. <laughs> but but if you look at what we uh, what we prepared by the Paul, uh, maybe it's good to to check if we were touching up uh, on everything. So maybe a few steps back. So um, and before we check again on the on the whole DBT project, what's in there? Um, if you go back two questions, then we thought of okay, maybe it's good to explain the two versions of DBT. Yeah, so... Just to, to understand differences. Good one. Yeah. So in DBT, we have the cloud version and we have what they call the DBT core version. I call it the CLI version, which stands for command line interface for those who don't know. And the cloud version well, gives you this nice UI in which you can manage your project and uh, helps you out of the box. Um, I think it also comes with a support plan. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that one. <laughs> Um, but obviously it's also paid. And the, the core slash CLI version, you will have to manage yourself in a deployment, um, but it's open source. So also has this whole open source community around it. Um, and well, nitty little detail is that DBT started out as a CLI version uh, back in the day because they saw the need for proper engineering around data pipelines. Um, and then later on added this cloud version for those business users that have such a need. Because what we see in bold.com is that basically everybody is using the the CLI version uh, because, you know, it's open source, which yeah. is awesome. Uh, yeah. And and you say de deploy it. What, what does that mean? What kind of thing is it that needs to be deployed? Because that really uh, depends on the type of tool you're u using, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not sure if the word deployment was, was fair. So... Um, w what you're doing is you're basically letting, well, in our case, Airflow trigger DBT as a yeah, as a runnable, as an executable. Yeah. Um, 
and that executable will well, take look at take a look at your DBT project um, and compile the files, which might so sound weird if you're thinking about SQL, but DBT uses this templating engine called Jinja to add magic to your SQL code. Um, so it will look at those SQL files, look at the Jinja, compile it, and then run the compiled SQL uh, well from the beginning till the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the, but it's quite a lightweight <laughs> deployment. There we go again because you use yours. I keep using it. Sorry, um, but it's it's not like there has to be a lot installed and, and stuff like that uh, or that you need to run a separate container for it or stuff like that you just have to need to have the the dbt cli available to you exactly. in your environment yeah. and as long as you have that you're good to go yeah let's have a look at uh, dbt uh, projects and what uh, uh, components do, uh, yeah, do they consist of yeah so you'll first get to uh, whenever you want to start a project you will go to getdbt.com and there you will find how to start a project, how to generate it. And once the project is generated, you will have several well, files and folders available to you. Um, and I will actually go by them one by one. So first off, we have the models folder in which basically your whole data pipeline lives in. All the SQL files, uh, the Jinja templates, uh, or actually Jinja templates are in your SQL files. Sorry for that. Um, second, we have the tests folder in which your dbt tests live which I talked about before. There yeah. are the assertions, but also the unit tests. Um, thirdly, we have the macros folder. And macros are one of the things that make dbt awesome. <laughs> uh, they allow you to write reusable code. So a macro is also, again, written with Jinja and SQL. Uh, and it, for instance, allow you, allows you to make a test reusable. So uh, to make a not null test, for instance, reusable of which there are plenty of examples online. Like if you're confused, just look up a, a dbt macro online, you will find it and it's awesome. Um, and the fourth or and last folder I want to talk about is that we have the dbt packages. As I said before, dbt provides this ecosystem mm -hmm. and in this ecosystem, we have dbt packages that the community provides. So I already said that we are that we can write unit tests, but right now that doesn't come out of the box. With dbt, you actually have to add a dbt package for that that someone wrote. Um, then we have the files. So the first and most important file is the dbt project YAML, in which the basic configuration about your dbt project is defined, such as its name, which dbt version you're using. Um, but you can also specify some configuration about models which materialization they use, for instance, um, uh, in there. Then we have the profiles YAML, which in the case of bol.com basically defines, okay, which dbt connector am I using? Um, and a dbt connector is the data platform you're building dbt on, or I should say actually adapter, not connector, I'm sorry. Um, and a dbt adapter is, for instance, BigQuery uh, or LRDB, uh, Postgres, the ones I named before. Um, and as I said, in the Profiles YAML, we specify which adapter we're using and how we're going to connect to that adapter uh, because dbt needs to know that in order to, to function. And the last file I want to talk about is the Packages YAML uh, in which you define which packages dbt should install in the dbt packages folder. Yeah, so those are the, the most important files and concepts you will need to worry about when starting a project. Yeah. And, this, and this project... 
is stored in, in, the, in the software library? Or is this in your container that and, and, and you can run that? Or uh, Because that relates to the previous question, like what we discussed before. How do you run this? Yeah, exactly. So you run this by having the uh, DBT CLI either installed on your local machine or in a Docker container that you're going to use, or in our case, in Airflow. So this whole set is then incorporated in there, and then you can... Yeah, you import your DBT project in there, then you say, hey, uh, DBT, go run, and then DBT will try to find the necessary files, and if it finds it, it will compile them and run them. Okay, and then every time he, he goes through that, through those steps to uh, yeah. to get it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that uh, in total forms the uh, the 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 data pipeline with all the different uh, different aspects you. Um, you explained, and uh, there was one aspect that you uh, referred to now a couple of times. It's not ninja, but jinja. Ninja. <laughs> That's at least how I pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, so it's a, a templating engine. I must honestly say that I can't tell a lot about it because DBT basically uses it for you under the hood, but it has some specific syntax um, with a bracket and a modulo sign, which we'll see a lot for a double bracket sign, um, which allows you to, well, reference things or uh, basically do the SQL magic. <laughs> because otherwise SQL is just plain SQL, but this Jinja framework and how DBT leverages this framework allows you to, uh, for instance, reference other models uh, like the ephemeral models that we were talked about. Yeah. So in a way, this uh, Jinja is gluing the SQL together and showing how to handle these the, the SQL files and how to do them either. Yeah, so I can't give an honest answer about that, actually. I don't have enough knowledge about that. Okay. Um, all I know is that DBT leverages Jinja in order to perform SQL magic. Exactly. And it's and it's is Jinja strictly used within DBT or also in no, autos? No. So it's a, a specific tool? To it's a uh, templating engine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So and it's not really necessary to uh, to get a deep understanding of, about it. You can just say, okay, it's here, and and uh, yeah. As long as you are you get familiar with the syntax and how to use it, uh, which I think within a minute you'll uh, get used to it. If you, for instance, also have worked with front-end frameworks like uh, uh, Angular or React uh, that have a kind of similar syntax to template things in, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, you should get get started easily. Yeah. So, so it's similar to other templating stuff that's around in the engineering community. And because of that, you have an easy understanding and it's easy to, to, to grasp, to learn and to... Uh, For me, it definitely is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. So that's uh, Jinja. And we yes. already talked about this ephemeral. Uh, um, that one. Ephemeral. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> one. <laughs> and I also like the fact that you uh, were really enthusiastic about the documentation feature because that's what you don't hear a lot within uh, yeah. software engineering, at least. Um, so that, that that was cool, but you, uh, we, we, we discussed it. Um, and talking about software engineering, uh, this whole concept you explained, you can actually now see it as, uh, as it is, uh, you call it analytics engineering. That's the uh, what you can say, uh, what you're doing right now with this framework. Yeah, so I think yeah. that is the, the fancy term that people use a lot on the internet, indeed, analytics engineering, and it consists of a lot more than just using DBT and Airflow. Yeah, it's a whole concept. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but what I, the way I see it, at least, so I am a software engineer, 
I started out as a software engineer and have been a software engineer ever since. And then we had this data pipeline, which was kind of a mess. It was not necessarily a mess, but it could use improvement, like quality improvements. And then you see DBT and you see as a software engineer, hey, this brings software engineering to the world of data. Yeah, and, and then speci specifically the, the, the principles that software engineers use, right? In their, exactly. In their work. Yeah. And then you see those two worlds come together of data and software engineering. And that's where, at least for me, the term analytics engineering starts to make a lot of sense because it's about how are you going to engineer your analytics setup, yeah. uh, of which data is obviously a huge part. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. Uh, good explanation, I think. Yeah, and then uh, if we now get this grasp of, of DBT, what it is. Can we make the step on how we already use it in Bullet.com? Or hey, you're from experimentation, but hopefully hey, your experiment got uh, picked up and, <laughs> and got used by other areas as well. Can you tell more about it? Yeah, so I know for certain that there's actually quite some teams within Bullet.com that use DBT. And I actually uh, would like to say that I believe it's becoming the industry standard on how to approach a proper data pipeline that you're going to run for like a long-term uh, scenario. Because obviously, if you're doing just a proof of concept or just have a SQL file you're going to run once, using dbt is way too overkill. But once you have a proper data pipeline that you know you're going to run for a long time, dbt basically becomes the de facto standard to start using. And we actually see a lot of teams already either start using it or wanting to know about it or already using it for quite some years. I think as team experimentation, we were kind of well, in the middle, as in some teams were already before us. We saw it, we thought, yes, that's amazing. We're going to use that. And there will now be a lot of teams after us that will be like, ah, awesome that you sh shared this knowledge. We'll also uh, hop it. on board. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and what should those teams know and know uh, and learn from you? What are your... <laughs> learnings so i think my my biggest learning would be to uh, reach out to the community to see what challenges has already well what is already there and and what challenges have already been faced because as i said i'm a software engineer i came from the world of software engineering i saw dbt i wanted to start using it but i did so without any other prior knowledge so i started quite uh, blank um which on the one hand was awesome because I got to know this tool uh, from scratch. Of course, I had to face some hurdles. But the downside is that I didn't leverage other people's knowledge that was already there in the community. We, for instance, I know at Bull.com have this analytics engineering documentation, uh, internal documentation, as you say, um, on, on which we also describe some DBT best practices, or now we do it within Bull.com. Well, that's something I could have definitely used before starting out. <laughs> Make use of the community. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What did you learn so far, Peter Paul? Yeah. So I've um, uh, in my my group of teams, uh, th there's one uh, fairly new data science team, and I'm not sure whether they're using DBT. So that's one of the things I'm going to check with. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Because it sounds uh, uh, like some like a thing that they could also use. For me, that's also a, a trigger to, you, you said, okay, more teams are using it for a couple of years right now. So I'm really like, okay, are that within my teams? I don't know. I have to check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to check. yeah so learning, uh, and it's about use the, the community. And um, well, from, from um, maybe technical perspective, uh, talking about 
data loads, uh, uh, scaling, and that kind of stuff. Eh? You, you're in experimentation, but also doing a lot with this uh, click data. And, uh, yeah, interaction data. Interaction indeed. data. Yeah. And yeah, that I'm is quite a load. So can we say something about that? Um, so dbt runs in parallel, uh, as in it depends on how your directed acyclic graph is linked up. If it's literally a, a straight line, as in there's no branches, which I know sounds fake. Um, so, okay, what I mean is you can have a SQL file, which is linked to another SQL file, which is linked to another SQL file, which is just one straight line. Then dbt isn't able to run anything in parallel because, you know, it's one step after the other. But if there's, for instance, three SQL files that link to one SQL file, dbt is able to perform those three SQL files in parallel and then run that one SQL file that comes after it. So dbt uses what they call worker threads for, for this, if I remember correctly. And I know in team experimentation, we right now use three worker threads, which means the, uh, the, the files get, well, three files get executed in parallel. Um, but you can use as many threads as you have available, or you can even use 80 threads if you want to. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, but again, it all depends on how your uh, pipeline is set up, how it is linked, uh, how many you can actually run in parallel at a given moment. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that was one of the, the, the things to, to understand from how, yeah, how you can use it, how you can scale it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and how you can, yeah, if you look at lots of data, what are the pitfalls? So, not sure if you have that exp that um, uh, experience already. Um, and maybe one topic that might be interesting is it's running in the cloud, I assume. So, uh, cloud costs are a hot topic, a hot topic nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure how how relevant it is to DBT, as DBT is only the tool that you know, executes the the pipeline for us. Of course, uh, we we think about how to uh, be as cost efficient as possible, but that's more so about going from a very large data set and transforming that into a smaller data set, which is more easy to use. In our case, as team experimentation, this is very relevant because the, the, the interaction data is for a day, is terabytes of data, and we, well, aggregate that in the end down to a few megabytes or a few gigabytes, which is a huge cost saving if you were to query the raw data versus the aggregates that we provide yeah. for you. Of course, there's also costs involved in running the pipeline, but don't those don't level out against if everybody would be querying raw data. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I can also imagine that it can help uh, saving costs eh? if you if you can do the 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 transformation of the data in one go instead of having to exactly. write the data, read it again, write it again, read it again, because of statistics, et cetera, yeah. then it can help cost saving. Uh, yeah, and for well. us as team experimentation, we also provide a standard, as in uh, everybody that wants to work with experimentation can go to these data sets and see, ah, they already like provide stuff for me, which is awesome. Yeah, you're already done. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the reusability part, because it, then basically if you reuse that, then I think you also use the result set of the data, which basically means one compute instead of like three or four or whatever. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, and then the awesome thing is that DBT helps us to also properly document it, because indeed I am very enthusiastic about that. 
Like documenting code might not always be the, the most fun thing to do, but documenting your data sets is actually super important because it saves a lot of questions down the road. If people really want to understand the data, they just need to know on a per column basis, okay, what is this column? What does it mean? A name for the column might not be enough to explain what is going on inside the column, what data is in there. Yeah, exactly. For, because for some of the data terms, uh, we have like three variants of what's included and what's not. And you want to be able to determine which of the variants you're dealing with here. You're looking at, yeah. yeah. I also know that there are initiatives within Bol.com called the data catalog in mm -hmm. which they will yeah. try to um, well, explain every KPI, like, okay, what does conversion mean within Bol.com? What does click-through rate mean? Stuff like that. Um, and the awesome thing about that is that we, of course, can link within DBT to that catalog and say, hey, you want to know about conversion, this here column, yeah. go to the catalog. Okay, that was a <laughs> you're already triggering my question. Uh, already answered my question that I was about to ask about this data catalog because <laughs> I was aware of it and uh, really curious how that was uh, combining this. It's a, a great topic to uh, yeah to have uh, talked uh, about. Yeah. yeah, and I'm looking at you, Pat. Yeah, Paul, because I, th I think it's time for the closing question, right? Yeah, I think. But yeah. before we do, do we have questions left? No, I think I already asked a lot uh, today. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So then it's time for the for the closing uh, round, and that's yeah. What's your most important takeaway for listeners who want to start with uh, using DBT? So my most important takeaway would be just start with DBT. It will make your life awesome. It will make your <laughs> data pipeline awesome. Um, of course, you will run into stuff, but that you are using it in the end is far more important than running into all these hurdles and you'll figure all, all of that out, but upping your data pipeline quality for data pipelines that are long-term, that's super important, especially in an environment that we are in today, like in bold.com, cost savings, we need to be like on top of our game. So our data pipelines also need to be on top of our game. So start using DBT. Actually, cool. and I think that holds for a lot of uh, companies that uh, at least say they will be, they are data-driven have they have these data pipelines so they can reap the benefits of it yeah exactly also yeah. cool yeah something like like i think the uh, the space is fast it's, it's uh, <laughs> also enthusiastic in this uh, in this episode about <laughs> dbt <laughs> very uh, uh, very appreciate your uh, being here um yeah i i uh, i want to thank you for your time and um hopefully um we're going to use it uh, a lot more than we do uh, nowadays in Bol.com. And, yes. and I need to find out, okay, where do we use it? Do we <laughs> yeah, use it in does our... Does my team <laughs> use it? Does yeah. my team use it? <laughs> I have to know more about it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Zender. Great yeah. to have you. Hey, one more thing. Um, upcoming topics. Maybe it's good to, to share them already with, uh, with the audience so they can stay uh, in, in touch. It's uh, one of the upcoming topics. It's about neurodiversity. So if you have already ideas or questions, uh, share them with us. Uh, and uh, if you have other ideas about topics uh, for the TechLab podcast, reach out to us in, uh, in different ways. Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, email, can be everything. And, uh, well, thanks for listening. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or mail techlab at bol.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!